Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGall, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.mcgaugh, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Welcome to the Follow the Brand Podcast. I am your host, Grant McGaugh, CEO of Five Star BDM, where we help you to build a five-star brand that people will follow. In an age where work quality and digital footprints are measured more than ever, informaticists must develop and curate their own individual brands in effective ways. My next guest, Oscar Perez, uses his brand to communicate resources necessary to accomplish a strategic goal, solve tough IT challenges, and to define the costs associated with performance objectives. Perez lives at the intersection of informatics and IT technology. The integration of healthcare sciences, computer science, information science, and cognitive science. He focuses on the people and processes to manage technology and data to deliver the right outcomes at the right times to maximize patient outcomes. Oscar says, informatics is about understanding workflows and the systems that you're using in a healthcare setting. Understanding and connecting the dots by being able to align clinical and business systems to the technical requirements. Mr. Oscar E. Perez is the Chief Application and Innovation Officer at Health Choice Network in South Florida. He is a transformational and innovative leader with extensive experience in a healthcare executive leadership role. He has a proven record of achievement in strategic planning and digital transformation. Known for developing and building high-performing teams that enable technology throughout the entire organization. Mr. Perez is accomplished in addressing business and clinical critical issues, utilizing technology and innovative approaches while managing costs and reducing risk. Mr. Perez has been in healthcare IT for over 28 plus years. He's worked at various healthcare systems, including large academic medical centers like the University of Miami Healthcare System and large public healthcare safety net systems like Jackson Memorial in South Florida. Most recently, 
He was vice president of IT at Memorial Healthcare System, a six-hospital public healthcare system that includes Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital in Broward County, Florida. In addition, he's consulted at many large healthcare systems throughout the country like Emory in Atlanta, MD Anderson in Houston, and many more. His well-rounded healthcare experience has allowed him to make an impact wherever he has been. Mr. Perez currently lives with his family in South Florida, where he received a Bachelor in Management Information System from FIU and a Master's in Healthcare Business Administration from the University of Miami. He also serves on the board for South Florida Hems as past president and is a member of CHIME and NACHC. Let us welcome Oscar Perez to the Follow Brand Podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Follow Brand Podcast with your host, Grant McGall. I'm going to stay local this week. We're going to stay local. We're going to stay right here in the Dade County area. We've got some very phenomenal people in Miami-Dade County in the health informatics world. And I, I'm going to go on record and say that the person that we're going to have on tonight is probably one of the most recognizable people in his field here in Miami. He's been a part of the community for a long time. He's worked at a lot of the iconic and large big box uh, hospital systems, and he's doing some phenomenal work now for Health Choice Network. So I want to bring to the mic Mr. Oscar Perez, and we're going to have a candid conversation about himself and the things that he's doing to impact others with his skill set. So Oscar, you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, Grant, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is uh, Oscar Perez, and I'm the Chief um, Digital and Innovation Officer at Health Choice Network. And, uh, you know, I've had the honor of been working there for about about a year and a couple of months. And um, prior to that, as, as Grant mentioned, I've been in various healthcare systems here in South Florida and also had the opportunity to to work, uh, uh, do some consulting across the country. So uh, I've been in healthcare, healthcare IT. I consider myself a healthcare professional uh, for over close to 30 years now. And, um, you know, I love what I do. I have a passion for what I do. And I, I just want to continue to help bring, you know, technology to healthcare and, and help uh, help healthcare along, which is one of my one of my goals. I tell you, Oscar, I looked at some of the things that um, in your resume and I just looked through it and I see, wow, this guy is he's local. He is a first he started out at the U, you know, so he, he's yeah. got to talk about the U. And I want to know this is the question I want to know is like, why did you pick? Health informatics, did it pick you? Were you looking into something else and this kind of fell in? I mean, let's hear that story. That's a, that's a great question, Grant. I, you know, I uh, I was fresh out of college. I was working for UPS at the time um, and, um, you know, delivering packages door to door. And uh, and then one of my one of my um, one of my aunts uh, worked at the University of Miami and she told me about an opportunity to work in the Department of Anesthesiology back in the day. and. Uh, you know, when I interviewed, uh, it was for a data entry or data analyst position, and uh, I never looked back after that. It was something that you know I, I found I found to have a passion for, uh, and although it wasn't your typical IT department, it was within a, depart- a clinical department with the University of Miami, uh, but it was kind of doing you know um, data and analytics work uh, 
way back in in 1994. And so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what got me hooked. And, and to get to see that, you know, firsthand, to be able to see the improvements that could be done. Um, working in the Department of Anesthesiology was something that was special as well, because I got to work a lot in the operating rooms at Jackson uh, and support our anesthesiologists at the time. Um, the department was kind of ahead of its cur- ahead of its time um, for that era, and uh, we had uh, there was actually a system, an electronic anesthetic information system at the time that they were using, and uh, so that's where I kind of got my my ears pe- uh, peaked and and got my started to get my develop my my true passion in life, which was really how do I get these you know health information systems? How do I get technology? And use that in healthcare to help, you know, provide better care, provide better processes, um, really help healthcare advance. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of where I started was, was in the Department of Anesthesiology, University of Miami, 1994. And I, that's where I met one of my very first mentors. And I think that's an important thing that we, we should talk about is, yep. you know, in this, in this life and in this career, it's important to have, you know, mentors that, that you, either look up to learn from, you know, learn what to do and learn what not to do. And I was fortunate enough to learn, uh, to meet one of my, my mentors early in life, but you know, well, Elizabeth Rockwitz, oh, yes, like to give her yes. props. She's one of my, my first mentors in life, but she, uh, she really took me under her wing and really counseled me and, and showed me, showed me the ways and, and things that could get done and, and not done. And I really owe a lot to her. So. You've got to get those advocates elizabeth wow you know now we go we'll talk about our hems relationship here a little bit later because it's a lot of wonderful people that brings us together like it's family right yeah Uh, liz has definitely been very influential but i want to talk because you got into and there's a difference i've been in information technology for 20 25 years help us understand our listeners understand what is informatics and what is information technology? How would you describe those two things? That's a phenomenal question. One that I've I've asked uh, many many organizations and departments about. Um, you know, I think you know in healthcare, you know, we love acronyms. We love we love using different terms for a lot of things. And you know, if I if I had to put it simply, I think that it's all under the umbrella of information technology. However, I think historically what's happened is, you know, information technology has become sort of the technology side of the house. So the hardware, the network infrastructure, the security, the techie stuff. And then the informatic stuff kind of falls more on the IS side or the information system side of the house where, you know, informatics is really about understanding workflows and translating those workflows into configurations of your systems that you're using. And so sometimes informatics are broken off from under out of IT. You know, there's a lot of nursing informatics programs. There's a lot of different types of programs that sort of teach that. Some programs teach it under the IT schools um, and kind of, you know, make it about how to configure the EHR or how to configure different types of systems. So the way that I view it is kind of that way. And, and you know, I, the, the key is that informatics you know, technology, healthcare technology resources, analytics folks, um, analysts, all these different roles are key parts of this whole sort of healthcare IT ecosystem that, you know, everybody sort of, you know, needs all these competencies in order to be successful. And so, um, you know, I know it's not a clear answer, but it's it's something that, you know, 
Uh, many times I've seen it be outside the informatics group be outside of IT, you know, so it's maybe under a training program, under a nursing training program in a hospital. And it's really um, kind of follows that path. But more and more, I've been seeing it converge with IT because using that competency in IT, understanding the workflows, the terminology, the lingo from a nursing perspective and tying that with the technologies is really the happy marriage. So this is interesting. Uh, and I tell you what, how I look at informatics is the application, the clinical application layer in a hospital. That's how I kind of look at that. And, the, you know, yeah, the IT, a lot of times I'm working with you know, hardware layer, the uh, compute storage yeah. layer, and then you're working into, all right, now we've got this behemoth that might be an Epic or it could be a Cerner. And that type of thing. Now, here's here's my question. I and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you made the name for yourself. Will you start to see that trajectory as far as your mastery in clinical informatics was in that you understood these EHR systems and these workflows, and that did that help you to move forward in your career? I, and absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, I can tell you, I started in the Department of Anesthesiology. And when I started there, I started as a data entry person first, just putting data into a database, putting billing in from anesthesia, you know, anesthesia billing into a database. Um, then it morphed into more of data, you know, um, data analytics. So like, hey, how can we report the data out of here? Um, and then from there, it morphed into how do I support this system that we're capturing anesthesia information too. So more about information systems. And as I work and I developed uh, my skill sets there um, at the University of Miami, I ended up moving to the actual IT department. So out of the clinical anesthesia department to sort of the central IT department. And then there I learned the technical skill sets. I learned some of the more of the technical skills sets. I learned the networking. I learned, you know, more about security and the servers and the data center. And so it's almost like I started backwards. A lot of times IT folks start on the hardware side and move to the system side. I started on the system side, moved to the hardware side, and then moved back to the system side because I felt like using all that skill set, you know, can really help connect the dots, can really help bridge those gaps. And uh, But many times folks find a passion on one side or the other, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think um, I think being able to connect those dots and being able to you know, align your clinical or business requirements with the system and then being able to translate that into the technical requirements uh, serve me well. And, and I think, you know, it's something that I try to pass down to to my folks and try to try to educate, you know, folks on because I think it's important. The more we understand the whole sort of widget, the better the better stewards will be of it, you know. Well, I think we, you, you touched on some really good points. And I, want, I know we had talked in the past about these analysts are coming out of college and that they're, they're needed. And, uh, and and you just stated why you started in that kind of analyst role and how it taught you and how it brought you forward. I think that's uh, phenomenal because as you get further up, you're at now, you know, you're in that C-suite level. And at that level, the conversation changes. You're not doing the technical work as much, maybe not doing as much as all the managerial work, but now you're, in that world, we talk about initiatives. You have to understand finance. You have to understand the operations and all those other things that are outside of IT, but IT touches all these things. 
Help us frame that conversation, how you made that adjustment and your focus and, and, and add it to your tool sets. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of transition. I think, you know, if I could start, if I could start what we as leaders sometimes do with our resources is we get the person that's the best at a particular task or competency, and we immediately want to move them into leadership. <laughs> it's like, you're the best analyst. I'm going to make you a manager. <laughs> and sometimes that works out because that resource maybe has dispositions or desires to become a manager or go into management. But sometimes it's not the right choice. Sometimes it's it's about us putting, you know, it's us, it's about us helping our resources grow. And if that's within a subject matter expertise, that should be the way they go. If they want to go into management, which requires different competencies, as we all know, and different, you know, desires and, and patience, it's a different, it's a sort of a different track. And so, um, so I've, I've, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to put people in the best positions to succeed. And sometimes that is reevaluating the positions that they're at and trying to align it best to the, to the business. I, for myself personally, as I've grown through the ranks, I never really had a targeted goal of saying, I want to be a chief or a vice president. That was never really my driver. My driver was, I wanted to impact change. I wanted to, you know, make a difference. <clears throat> and that's really what kind of drove me down the leadership path. And many times I was, you know, uh, edged along by some of these mentors, whether it's Liz or others along the way. And, um, and I think that, you know, um, going down that leadership path made me, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I first started on that path. And I follow, I tried to follow some very simple rule of thumbs. It's like, you know, manage people how you want to be managed, right? Treat them with respect and treat them fairly. And those were the kind of the, the tenets that I sort of followed and they served me well. Um, I still kind of apply those today. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's something that, you know, it's, 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 it's a craft like anything else. You've got to work on it. You've got to always want to get better. There's always things that I can improve on. And so that's what I try to, that's how I try to approach it is try to try to take it as constant education and learning and, and get better at it and, and pass that information, pass that knowledge down to, to the folks that, that we work with. I like that. I like the answer. And I want to spin the dial a little bit, change the narrative just a little bit here. Cause you, you were working with very large institutions, University of Miami, Jackson Health System, Memorial Health System. Then you made a transition. You went to Health Choice Network, which now this is a total different model. This is a uh, national model in scope. You're implementing new, new technology. There's a different patient mix, different it's just a different world. And then you're implementing, you're the chief innovation and digital officer, CDO. How has that challenged you? Oh, man. <laughs> it, uh, it's definitely challenged me. Um, you know, I, I never, you know, the, what, what attracted me about Health Choice Network was really, they're a very mission-driven organization. And, you know, Memorial and a lot of the other places I were, too. But, you know, this was an organization that was really serving the underserved uh, and the unfunded populations in our community and in communities throughout the country. And what they were trying to do really attracted me because I felt like I had a unique set of skill sets that I can help them achieve what they were trying to do, which was, you know, implement EPIC to FQHCs throughout the country. And so that 
that's something that really attracted me. I felt like I can provide value to this group and and it's a really great group of 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 leaders. The other thing that attracted me to it was the organization was a little smaller in the sense that, you know, a little flatter from an organiz- from a leadership perspective. You know, as you work in these bigger organizations, and I loved everywhere that I've worked and I appreciate them tremendously, but there's a lot of layers, right? If I want to change, if you want to impact change, it has to go through, you know, several layers of leadership. And that's okay. I mean, when you're a big ship like that, you have to put those controls and governance in place. Since we were, since this, since Health Choice Network was a little smaller, I think, you know, it's just, it's just directly to the CEO. We need to impact change. We can change. It's like a smaller speedboat versus a large ship that has to sort of, you know, make the, make the turns. And so, and, you know, it's funny, prior to, prior to Health Choice Network and even prior to some of the local health systems that I worked at here, I also did some consulting uh, around the country. And I worked at, I worked a lot at MD Anderson in Houston, the cancer center. I worked a lot in Emory in Atlanta. And, you know, one of the things that I learned and I appreciated so much from that experience was just realizing that the more you go around the country, everybody has the same problems. <laughs> everybody, every organizations have similar problems and, you know, we're all trying to solve for similar things, right? We're trying to solve for resources. We're trying to reduce expenses. We're trying to solve the same IT challenges. And so that gave me, I think the perspective and the confidence to, to, to continue to bring that here locally. And then at Health Choice Network, I think it's been the, the amalgamation of all those years of experience and, and working across all these large healthcare systems uh, now working at, at Health Choice Network, where again, we're a network of, of FQACs throughout the country. And and that poses different challenges. There's different state regulations. <laughs> you know, even though it's not, they don't have a hospital, it's a lot of ambulatory clinics. Um, it poses a lot of different challenges because, you know, every state Medicaid laws are different and time shifts, you know, time time differentials. So it's a lot of uh, different different things. But but yeah, no, I've been I've been very happy at, you know, been proud of the work we've done thus far here. There's still a lot more work to be done, but but that transition, you know, it took me a little bit to, you know, to to kind of, you know, get some of the lingo and understand some of the nuances of FQHCs. But um, I think we're hitting our stride now and we're getting ready to roll out our second big group of, of clinics throughout the country. Man, that, that's wonderful. I think right now we are going through a transformation in our country when it comes to healthcare delivery. I think COVID has COVID nineteen shed a light on a lot of uh, gaps in the delivery system, and that we saw that technology was a good tool to help us when we were struggling as a society with such a type of disease. So, you know, your telehealth, remote patient monitoring, things that we're going to have to do because we have another tsunami that's coming, the silver tsunami, right? And as that silver tsunami really, really takes over, what am I talking about? It's our elderly population. We have the oldest population ever in the United States that we have most people are now, you know, 50, 60 and above. And there's more of them than there are young people, you know, so that how are we going to care for this uh, population. So we're looking at uh, innovations, innovations, right? So here's my question I want to ask you, and I want you to almost even put it on your consultant hat when you think about this, because this is something that we need to do more of. And we both, we work for, we we volunteer, we are volunteers for HIMS. We both are part of HIMS South Florida. You've been a past uh, president, I'm the program chair. But if you 
anywhere in the country could go to uh, a a uh, convention, a seminar that is going to like you know help you in your in in your particular uh, work and what you're doing. What topic or topics would be top of mind for you that would say yes? I need I need to be a part of that. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. That's a good question. Um, you know, I know we've talked about this one before, but, you know, I think um, managing a remote workforce, um, I think, is universal right now. And the challenges and the pros and the challenges with how to manage that well, manage it efficiently. You know, I think COVID forced us, right? Yeah. <laughs> many yeah. skeptics, many skeptics of, you know, working remote. It's not going to be as productive. We're not going to this. We're not going to that. But I think COVID forced everybody to. And now that everybody's kind of tasted it and seen that it can be as productive, sometimes even more productive because you cut out commute, you cut out a, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, um, you know, buffer time that gets spent doing other stuff. But now it comes with different challenges. You can't just go around, not that there's water coolers anymore, but you can't just go, you know, stop somebody in the middle of the hallway and just be like, hey, how was your day? How Right. So now it's more targeted and more, um, specific and you have to be more you know just more planned for these sort of interactions that used to just be able to happen naturally um and then how do you prevent people from you know getting two jobs when they're remote you know we've seen some of that how do you uh how do you ensure that you know um you know you're keeping them in the culture and betting them in your culture what is the culture now if it's all remote right so so all those questions i think i mean i would love <laughs> To have a panel on that, a discussion on that with experts, people who are doing it well, people who are struggling, because I think that everybody's kind of going through that right now. You're, you're, even if you don't believe in remote work, you're having to do it because your competitors are doing it and you're having to do it and do it well. And I think it's a good thing. I think expanding your pool of, of skills and resources, you know, not limited by that brick and mortar, I think is, is good, but it does have its challenges and it's something that I think we're also maturing and working through. Um, and so uh, that would be something for sure that I'd, I'd jump right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I know it's not necessarily healthcare IT specific, but- No, it's, you know, but that is affecting the workforce. It, all of those yeah. things are, especially your, your workforce that's spread out geographically, right. right? And then you might not even meet them physically. Maybe they've never met you physically. So you've got to now change management style, right? Yeah. 
And like you're just saying, you you know, how do you gain trust and and commitment in a remote atmosphere? And what are you doing? You got to change, change. So this is a time of change, time of transformation. We hear about digital transformation in the healthcare system. Those are big buzzwords, digital transformation. But there's a lot. It's not just techie, 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 right? Yeah. There's a lot of people, 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 because you've got shortages, you've got labor shortages, you've got all these different things that are happening. I know one thing that we talked about during one of our board meetings was analysts. You need analysts. We need more people in the healthcare field studying the uh, health informatics, basically, and coming out of college. Can you can just give us some words of wisdom around that? What, what are you, what's happening in that world? Yeah, no, that, it's, that's another good topic. I, I know I've talking, spoken to Stephen, our, our chair on education um, and students at, at South Florida Ems, a little bit about this. And I think we have to do a better job as healthcare IT leaders in partnering with the universities and helping drive the, the curriculum and the programs and the lingo of what, you know, the next future, you know, students coming out of those schools are and what we as healthcare IT leaders need. Uh, so, you know, there's all these great programs that many universities are coming up with and, you know, generating great talent. But sometimes it doesn't align well to what the healthcare IT market is looking for or is in demand. And so, you know, simple things like a programmer, a dev- and I don't want to say simple, it's hard to become a programmer, but something that's very clear and fundamental, like a developer or programmer, you're looking for specific skill sets on what type of programming languages they have and certain things like that. I think on the analyst side or the informatics side, you started this earlier, you were asking me to define it. I can define it one way, you can define it another way, the schools can define it another way, the organizations can define it another way. So we do have to come up with a common language of what that really means and make sure that everybody's speaking the same language. But us aligning to what we need as organizations and helping align the universities to create and generate that talent base is is critical. For example, analysts is a good one. So a lot of times organizations have the technologists, right? The network, network engineers, server engineers, the techies. And then on the application side, they're looking for a clinical analyst or a business analyst or, and that word has gone through many, many different definitions. But in the definition of today, if you go to Memorial, if you go to Jackson, if you go to UM, if you go to Health Choice Network, what that really means is somebody either certified in Epic or certified in Cerner, if we're looking on the clinical side. If you're looking at it on the business side, somebody that has knows Workday, that knows ERPs, right? It doesn't have to be vendor specific, but, you know, solution specific or understanding that there's going to be configuration of systems and the right competencies around that. So, yeah, I think it's it's a challenge. It's, it's something that we, again, I think it's upon um, incumbent upon us as healthcare leaders to work with our university partners and help align these programs out. Uh, you know, I think they've done a great job with like security programs. I think they've matured well on that. Um, I think data analytics, so like, you know, reporting and, you know, data mining and data analytics from the backend perspective, I think they've done a good job with that. I think on the application side or the information system side, they haven't done as good a job aligning for that. I think because a lot of times they tie it to informatics, but informatics is is getting there, but it's still not all the way there when it comes to aligning to some of the needs of because an organization like a big hospital system, I think, oh, informatics, 
that's not an analyst. That's somebody that's going to go into nursing and help with workflows and training. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the student or the school might think, oh, I'm trying to give you analysts and it's not aligned. Right. So, wow. so I think that's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big, I think it, it requires getting some good, some good minds together and, and, you know, whiteboarding and troubleshooting and, and then getting the, the schools in alignment. Cause I think there's, there's a mismatch there. And those positions are in high demand. Those are the ones that we're hiring across the country. And sometimes we're not finding the people with the right competency. And you nailed it right there. That That is something that there, you're, you're going to school, you get an indication, you're coming out, you have a certain skill set. But then on the employer side, that is not the skill set that really fills the gap that you need. So we definitely need to first have the conversation around it like we just had Let's talk about it because I think you can make some fixes, but we have to have communication. The hospital yep. system, the healthcare systems need to be talking to the um, the colleges and let them know these. This is what's important now because the digital delivery, the healthcare delivery system is changing. It's changing and it's changing rapidly, right? So your 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 digital front doors, your your um, uh, uh, the the internal internal workflows, the external patient experiences, all these things are in rapid change. Everybody's speed to market. Everybody knows that healthcare is a gigantic elephant, you know that that's moving at light speed. And so, how do how do we then get a hold of it before it gets out of control? So, I like your conversations. And one thing we'll talk about hymns. Well, if you've got a chance, that's one thing we try to do at the. Uh, association as Health Informatics Management System Society. That is what it's all about. We, I think we're fortunate in our chapter because we have universities as part of our, our, our chapter board. So we get an opportunity. We have a lot of events like at Nova Southeastern University. We're going to have an event here coming up at FIU. And we want to continue to have these kinds of discussions. We could be at the University of Miami. We've got to bring our community together. So we've got good people. They're bright people that they're trained the right way and they can get fulfillment in their career and what they're doing. So you don't have to like, yeah, they got out. They just did four years of, of education that I got to now train them for the mm-hmm. next two years, even before I can get any kind of value out of out of that, no fault of their own, but it's just I needed I need you to be able to operate in in my environment, and that's the you don't want to create a bottleneck at that point, right? Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. I see some really bright people coming out of schools, and and it's hard. It's hard sometimes to get them into a job, and sometimes when you are getting them in, you're getting them into an entry level position that is not even aligned to what they went to school for. Which you know, at least they're getting the foot in the door. But but yeah, I think we have to do a better job of aligning that. And, uh, you know, it's up to us to make the change for sure. So I'm going to ask you one one question, one last question. Well, you've been great. You've been wonderful. And this is around branding because we're on the Follow Brand Show. And branding is about, I do it a lot with personal branding. And if you were not in the room, you're not in the room, right? And there was a group of people, and I'm talking about some of your mentors, some of your uh, reports, uh, some of the you know, board members and they're in the room, they're talking about Oscar Perez. What do you think they would say? Oh, wow. Um, is it that funny bald guy with a beard? No, I'm kidding. Um, 
No, they, I think they would, um, I would hope that they would say that, you know, um, you know, Oscar's a, you know, he's a, he's a leader that's always trying to do what's right. Um, he's a, he's a humble guy. <laughs> um, but you know, funny guy that, you know, really, really just wants to do the right thing and, and, and has a passion for what he does. Um, because I, I really do feel fortunate in life to have found my passion. I don't consider it a job. I don't consider it even a career. I love what I do. I do it a day and night in the mornings. Um, and, and, uh, and, and I try to get folks to find that passion as well. You know, sometimes it's in within our reach and sometimes it's maybe a different path. But I think if you find that, like you, I think you found your passion here doing these podcasts, man, you, you do a great job of it. And I think that, so that's, you know, I, I would hope that they say that, 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 you know, um, that Oscar just, you know, um, was an even keel guy that, you know, tried to do the right thing and, and, and tried to improve healthcare and hopefully leaves it better than he found it. So. Well, I tell you, I, I asked that question. I, I, I went out and I, I asked as many as people as I could that knew me and knew you. And I said, what do you think about Oscar? And you know, the words I got back, first of all, trusted leader was 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 big approachable was huge kind um was 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 another uh big one that came up but the the biggest one that came out that was uh they liked a lot was he is a a bright light in our healthcare community i think that says a lot you know about you when others will say that about you that you are that light, that you've been helpful, that you have solved some problems, that you've been impactful in the healthcare delivery. You, you, when you needed to say something needed to be changed, you would stand up. You had enough, you know, guts to say, you know what, that's really probably not the direction we need to go in. Here's why. So people do have a lot of respect for you, and I appreciate that. And before I let you go, before I let you go, is there any last words you like to? To state anything we've missed, anything that that you're itching to say, this is your time. I'm going to give you the mic. Oh, always putting me on the spot, on Grant. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I just, you know, I appreciate the time, Grant. I think that you, um, you know, I've known you for a long time, and I think that, you know, you were also, I think, a beacon of hope in our community and our in our in our industry, and I think that. We need more people like you, you know, going out there, telling our story, telling them what we do. Um, you know, we 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 are, I think, the pioneers of change. We, you know, healthcare is one healthcare. I've always said that healthcare is one of those laggard industries. It's always lagging behind finance, lagging behind this. And I think uh, one of my drivers has always been, well, let's get it. Let's get it to be a leader. And I think that I think it takes people in order to do that. It takes good people with no agendas and trying to do the right thing. And I think uh, you're one of those as well. So I appreciate, I appreciate you and I appreciate, you know, you giving us a platform to be able to talk about some of these things. And, and we still got a lot of work to do, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, we still got a lot of work to do. And, uh, but I'm excited to be doing it with people like you and some of our peers. So I appreciate it. Well, likewise, my friend, likewise, my friend, we do have a lot of work and acknowledging the work that needs to be done and then celebrating our successes is big. And I definitely want everybody to come out for Integrate. We'll have South Florida Hymns. We'll have Integrate 22. That'll be November 16th and 17th. 17th will be the, the major seminar at Nova Southeastern University at the Innovation Center, the brand new Innovation Center. So we're looking forward to that. And we're going to have 
great conversation. We're talking about how can we solve problems by coming together, right? So we're gonna we're gonna celebrate, and but we're we're gonna have to help. We're gonna have discussions around healthcare delivery with technology insights. That's what it's all about. So, Oscar, if the audience would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Uh, you can contact me via email, uh, operez at hcnetwork.org. Uh, you can always um, text me or call me at 305-321-0132. Just don't spam me, but let me know who you are uh, be ahead, ahead of time. But no, yeah, we try to, I try to make myself uh, available and accessible. Um, so anytime, feel free to reach out to me. Excellent, excellent. We're, we're, I'm glad you said that because if it, people that want to reach out to you have something meaningful to talk about. Let's have meaningful conversations. That's how we move the ball forward for everybody, and we all benefit. So if everybody wants to contact me, go to www.5starbdm, and that is B for brand, D for development, and for masters.com. Till next time, thanks a lot, Oscar. Thank you, Grant. Thank you all.